0: hello everybody welcome back to mariners middle innings this is the first episode since the mariners have been playing games i know they've been playing games for a couple weeks now and i apologize it's been really busy but just wanted to get back on here get in on some kind of big picture notes on the mariners and then from here on out we can do some smaller picture things like what's happening in specific games that sorts of thing so I'm just going to start off. The Mariners are currently 12-10 and 10 as we sit here on May 1st. I'm recording this May 1st on Sunday night. So the Mariners are coming off of a nice 7-3 to victory over the Miami Marlins, who they avoided getting swept today, which was less than ideal, but good to see them get right tonight. And I'm just going to go through kind of the roster and the lineup, pitching staff, go through some big picture things that I've seen so far. I'm going to start off that I have really liked what I've seen from Adam Frazier. Adam Frazier is one of my favorite Mariners this year because he just does not strike out much at all. He doesn't have bad at bats. He's always battling, always battling off pitches. He just so frequently can just get the ball and get hits. He'll hit the ball, the other way a ton he only is striking out about 14 percent of the time which is a little high for him but compared to some of the other players on the Mariners it's actually very low it looks like it's about the second lowest right now only behind Ty France who's been an absolute monster this year and I'll get to him in a minute but even though Adam Frazier is only hitting 238 he's still been a productive hitter at the top of the lineup and he's gonna get it going he will be better than average he's Got a 94 WRC plus right now. So he's just a little bit below league average through almost a month now, but he's just a professional hitter and someone that I love watching hit. And he does a great job of setting the table at the top of the lineup. He gets on base a lot for the number two hitter who has arguably been one of the best hitters in all of baseball so far this year. And that is Ty France. Ty France has been on an absolute tear this year. He is hitting. 337, 411, 554. And I know at one point he was hitting like 400, 500, 600 for his slash line. So he has been absolutely raking. He had that massive homestand where he earned the American League co-player of the week because he had 13 hits and hit just over 500 for a week. But Major League Baseball had to give half of the award to Miguel Cabrera because he hit a weak single through the right side to get his 3000th hit, which was a little silly but I can see why they did that. But Ty France has been an absolute monster for the Mariners. And he has a WRC plus of 191, which isn't even the highest on the Mariners. And that's a great thing, but he's just been an absolute menace at the plate. I think he legitimately can challenge for a batting title this year. And he has just been really fun to watch. He's been right up there with Adam Frazier for me. And he's just a stud this year. And, and, Everybody needs to get out there and watch Ty France. And next on my list of notes here, I have Jesse Winker because he's been really struggling this year, but he hasn't been struggling in the traditional sense. I know his batting average and statistics don't look great, but he's been so destroyed by bad luck. He has not hit any home runs so far this year, and a big reason for that is because he was playing in some really bad weather in the first week of the season. The Mariners were in Minnesota and Chicago, and he could at least easily have five home runs if the wind was not so bad, there was not so much rain, he didn't get robbed by players leaping up at the wall. Adam Angle, Luis Robert robbed him twice. So that's a big reason why he's been struggling, but he's been walking a ton. His walk rate has normalized to about 19% but he is still walking more than he strikes out and he is going to get things going. I believe in him and he is going to be okay and it's going to be all right. So don't be too worried about that. And he will eventually get really, really hot. He's a really good hitter. And in one of these months, he's just going to go off and maybe his full season numbers won't be the best because of this slow start but he is going to be really, really good at some point this year for the Mariners. And unfortunately, Mitch Hanniger missed a lot of time due to COVID and that had a big impact on the Mariners lineup. And now it seems like he is injured again. He just went on the injured list with a grade two high ankle sprain, which is a real downturn for his season so far. He was looking pretty good. He has only played in nine games, which is about half of what the Mariners have played so far, and it's just really disappointing to see because Mitch is a really good player, really big offensive piece for this team, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be okay without Mitch Haniger, but it's not as good as it could be because now Jared Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez are playing every single day for the most part, and if there is a left-handed pitcher on the mound instead of putting Mitch Haniger in right field or DHing. Now Dylan Moore has to hit there, and while Dylan Moore has done well in his role off the bench this year, he's actually performed really, really well. He is not someone that you want instead of Mitch Haniger, so it's going to be all hands on deck till he gets back, and hopefully Dylan Moore can continue to hit very well. Dylan Moore is, has only had 15 plate appearances, but he is walking more than he struck out. He had a solo home run the other night, and he has a WRC plus of 247, which is really impressive, but he's only done this in 15 plate appearances, so no, this does not mean that Dylan Moore should be playing every day, but when you have players like Dylan Moore and Tom Murphy succeeding, they're succeeding in smaller sample sizes because they're being put in situations to succeed. Tom Murphy and Dylan Moore cannot hit right-handed pitching very well at all. But they can hit left-handed pitching very well. And so far this year, Tom Murphy has hit right-handed pitching okay. So when players are, A, performing at a higher level than they normally do, and you put them in situations where they traditionally succeed more than other situations, if the Mariners were running Dylan Moore out there in the outfield every day against right-handed pitching, he would not be doing as well as he is. And same for Tom Murphy, but when you use them in smaller sample sizes, that means that they can be put in specific situations to succeed, and that will be better for the Mariners in the long term. And then the next player on my list is Eugenio Suarez, and he has been really, really fun to watch this year. He is just totally different than what the Mariners have had for a couple years in a lot of different ways. He's very fun, very energetic, and he is just sneaky, energetic, and fun. I did not know that Suarez was such a fun guy and such a fun guy to watch and that he was so involved in his team and in his clubhouse. I did not know that before he came to Seattle. But he has done a good job of hitting for power this year. He already has three home runs in 20 games. He has a 230 isolated slugging, which is one of the highest on the Mariners so far this year and he has a slugging percent of about 460 which is good and he's just been an above average quality hitter and he's definitely going to strike out a lot he's striking out just under 30 percent of the time but he's also walking almost 13 percent of the time and he has been one of the better hitters for the mariners and that brings me to someone that i did not think was going to do this so far this year and that is jp crawford jp crawford has been absolutely on fire for the Mariners he is hitting nearly 400 for his batting average these stats I'm looking at are before his game today where he had a double and a homer which put him at four home runs for the year and he was hitting before today's game 360 449 573 and that is way higher than anything I expected JP Crawford to be able to do He's done that in 21 games, and he has a 1.2 war already, which is higher than teammate Ty France, who has 1.1, and that is among the league leaders in all of baseball. J.P. Crawford has been insane this year, and he is playing out of his mind. He's on another planet. Anything you want to say about him, it is all true. J.P. Crawford's batting average now is up to 372 after today. With those four home runs and has a 1.090 ops which is way above anything he's done in his career and in his last seven games he's hitting 429 467 on base and a 750 slugging percentage so jp crawford might just well find himself in the player of the week conversation just like ty france did last week when he won the award so I was probably one of the lowest people out there on JP Crawford. I thought that he was just a very good defensive shortstop with not much offensive upside, but this year he has totally turned it around. And while there is slightly above 0% chance that JP Crawford hits 372 all year long, but if he hits 280 or 290, that is really, really good. And if he can, take his offensive game up a notch, then he will be a serious, serious reason that the Mariners probably make the playoffs because J.P. Crawford was not one of the elite shortstops in baseball. And I was wondering before the year if they were going to have to go out there and get a shortstop to replace J.P. Crawford because his career batting average is .257 and it has a career OPS of just over 700, And that is not elite at all. But if J.P. Crawford can hit 280 or 290 every year and have an 800 OPS, then that's someone that you don't have to worry about at all in your lineup, and that's a real legitimate dude. And if he can do that, then the Mariners will have a much better chance of making the playoffs. And he has been playing so well, and it is just so fun to watch. He has surprised me the most this year in the most positive way, and I'm very excited to see what he continues to do. And now I'm going to talk about the two kids that are intertwined at the hip, and that is Jared Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez. I personally am incredibly high on Jared Kelnick because he's just my favorite player on the Mariners. I don't exactly know what it is, but he just is. And I was enamored with him when we traded for him because everyone's like, this dude's a legitimate stud prospect. And then in 2019, he had one of the best minor league seasons Maybe of all time, he had a very good year and was just lighting up every single level he was at. But he has been off to a slow start. So has Julio Rodriguez. And I think everybody knows that Julio Rodriguez has been the victim of a bad strike zone throughout his entire season so far. I believe there's been at least 10 to a dozen called strike threes on pitches outside of the zone. And I think that is very bad and hopefully that that will correct itself and get turned around and both players have a sub 70 WRC plus I know Julio went deep today for his first home run so that will probably raise his but Kellnick's been struggling a little bit more recently and I hope he can turn it around it's not time to hit the panic button on either of them and possibly Julio will now start to Take an upward turn. His batting average is above 200 now. And if it can stay there, that will be a very good thing. I know Jared's been struggling a little bit more recently, but hopefully he will get that turned around. And I believe that he will. And those two will be a big part of the Mariners, especially in the second half. And with both of them, it's not going to be about what their end of season numbers look like, but it's going to look like how they look on the field playing in the games and what it looks like over certain stretches of time. Because looking back at last year, Jared Kelnick had a terrible season if you look at his full season numbers. But in September, he was one of the Mariners most important offensive players and one of their best offensive players. And if he can find his way back to that level of production, his numbers will certainly go up, but it might not look normal because He's only 22 years old, and Julio's only 21 years old. So it's going to be pretty difficult for them to get everything figured out and reach their ceilings this year, which will definitely not happen, but I believe that they can get it together a little more, and they will start to hit better, and I am very excited for when that will happen. Next up is utility man Abraham Toro, and he's been moving around kind of a lot so far this year. He has been playing third base, second base DH and his overall numbers haven't been great, but he is hitting only a buck 54 on balls that he puts in play, which is really, really low. We look at JP Crawford's numbers. He's hitting three seventy five when he connects and hits the ball. So that's his batting average on balls in play. Ty France is hitting three twenty nine on balls in play. Um, uh, Adam Frazier's hitting 282 on balls in play, and to be hitting 154 is very, very unlucky. So look for Abraham Toro to get things turned around a little bit. He does have two home runs so far this year. He's not striking out much, only 14.5% of the time. Not walking very much, but he's putting the ball in play. And as we saw in the first game in the Tampa Bay Rays series, teams that can put the ball in play like the Mariners have will generally succeed a little bit more because when the Rays started making errors, throwing the ball around, the Mariners were able to score because they weren't just striking out all the time. When you have guys that strike out all the time, then you're not going to have as many chances for teams that either just have a bad day and make a bunch of errors that lead to you scoring some runs. But when you play teams that aren't as good defensively, you will then have a greater chance when you put the ball in play. That's why I love Adam Frazier and Ty France and J.P. Crawford right now because they put the ball in play. They put pressure on the defense. They put pressure on the opposing pitchers to make the right pitch at the right time so that Mitch A.U. Eugenio Suarez, Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kelnick don't punish a ball into the stands, resulting in a two- or three-run home run instead of just a solo home run. So having guys on base, having guys that are legitimate stolen base threats, That makes teams have to worry about one more thing, just put more pressure on the opposing team. And that's what I like about this team. They put more pressure on teams than they did last year. And when you have guys like J.P. Crawford dominating so far this year, Ty France raking, and then you have those guys at the top of the lineup, and then you can't make mistake pitches to Jesse Winker, Eugenio Suarez, Abraham Toro, Mitch Haneker when he's healthy. Nobody wants to be the team that gets on Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kalnick's highlight reel. They don't want to do that. So they have to be extra careful to pitch exactly where they need to to those guys. Otherwise, they're going to end up losing games to the Mariners. And then I know I've mentioned it a little bit, but Tom Murphy has been playing very well. Cal Raleigh started off all right, but then really fell off a cliff. And the Mariners sent him down to AAA Tacoma, where he can play every day. And the three-catcher thing was pretty weird. They didn't have to deal with it for too long because Luis Torrens got COVID and has spent a lot of time on the COVID list and only played in eight games. But now they have Luis Torrens and Tom Murphy as their two catchers. I like that, especially because Tom Murphy is hitting right now. And I think my confidence in him is at an all-time high right now. And Terenz will be able to get it going. And I think it's just better to have the two catchers. But it is also nice to have Cal Raleigh, who's a solid defensive catcher. And if he can just hit 215 in his second year in the big leagues, then that would be a huge accomplishment. But his batting average dipped below 100, And he just did not look good at all. So that was pretty disappointing. But hopefully he'll be able to figure things out in Tacoma. Now... I'm going to turn my focus to the pitching side of things. And if you've not been paying attention, Logan Gilbert has been dominant this year. He has a sub-1 ERA. It was at 0.40 going into today's start. But after today, his ERA is now 0.64. He was cruising and possibly going to lower that ERA. But then he left a middle-middle fastball to Brian Anderson, who punished him and put it in the left-field bleachers. So he has given up just two runs over 28 innings pitched and looked really, really good. He is definitely the ace of this staff right now. And his breaking pitches have been better. He has 27 strikeouts in those 28 innings. And that is because he has had more pitches to throw. I've talked a lot about Logan Gilbert needing to have more control and more command of his off-speed pitches. His slider, he throws it a little harder now. And he's been able to throw that for strikes and get pit, or get hitters to swing and miss more. So that is definitely not as big of an issue as it was last year. And he's also throwing his curveball and change it more, which is good to see. And one of the reasons that Logan Gilbert has looked like the ace of the staff for the Mariners is because offseason addition Robbie Ray has not looked like the staff ace so far this year. And that is because he's been hit around a little bit and given up some runs. He has a 4.15 ERA and just 26 strikeouts in 30 and a third innings pitched. And while I'm not worried about him at all, even though his velocity is down just a tad, I am not too worried about it at all because it is pretty hard for someone to go out there and repeat their Cy Young season the year after especially if the player is not like Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer, Garrett Cole. I don't think Robbie Ray is in that class of elite, elite starting pitcher. But so far, what he has been is a very good innings eater. He is just behind the league leaders in innings pitched in the American League. And that is because he has made five starts, gone 30 in a third inning. So he's averaging... Just over six innings a start, so that is very good. And I'm really not worried about him too much because he's done this before. He knows what he's doing, and he is at least eating tons of innings. If Robbie Ray was going out four innings at a time and getting shelled and have having to be pulled, then that would be a cause for concern. But when he is not having his best stuff out of the gate, that is okay. Because I would rather have Robbie Ray get really hot in June, July, or August than April. And that way you can really rack up some wins then. Possibly put yourself in a position to go trade for a star to put this team over the top. And I think Robbie Ray will be just fine. And all he has to do is stay healthy. So that's just what I'm looking for for him. And then Marco Gonzalez had a little bit of an injury scare in his last start. After throwing just 11 pitches and getting one out, he was hit in the arm and the wrist area by a 109-mile-an-hour line drive off the bat of a raise hitter, and I thought that he was for sure going to have a broken bone, miss a bunch of time, and that the Mariners were going to have to call up top prospect George Kirby to fill to the spot for him, but it appears that he is A-OK. He's played catch. He's done some towel drills recently, and I'm not too worried about him. And he's really a number three, four, or five pitcher for the Mariners. He's not the ace that he was when the Mariners were not a great team. Now he does not have to be relied upon to go out there and be the best starter on the Mariners. He just needs to go out there, be consistent. And I know his numbers aren't great because he basically missed a start after getting only one out. But he's been okay. He had one bad start in Minnesota. Then he followed it up with a great start against Houston. And then he had a solid start after that. And then in his previous start, he just got hit in the arm and had to be taken out right away. So he will be just fine. And he's a quality back end of the rotation starter. Just like Chris Flexen. Chris Flexen is not a star pitcher at all. But he is also not a terrible pitcher either. He's actually been pretty good so far this year. He has the same WAR as Robbie Ray so far and that is at 0.3 and he's done that through 24 innings pitched and he's just been pretty good. He hasn't been a star or anything at all. He's just been a real quality pitcher for the Mariners and he's a good number 4, number 5 starter with upside. He had a really good 7-inning outing against the Rays and if with that is his upside. Is a much better pitcher to have than someone like Tyler Anderson, who could never go seven innings. I think Chris Flex will be just fine, and he'll be a reliable pitcher for the Mariners the rest of the way. And then finally to round out the rotation conversation is Matt Brash. Matt Brash, at just 24 years old, looked absolutely filthy in his first start and looked pretty dominant. He gave up. A solo home run to Luis Robert I believe that was the only run he allowed but then the Mariners did not back him up and he took the loss in that game because they struggled to score offense in that windy in the windy city with those really really windy conditions I believe it was about 60 miles an hour of wind that day and since then he has not had that same command and control he had in his first start and teams are making him throw more strikes and he's just struggled to do that more recently. So we will see what happens with him going forward. If he has good control and command, then he is a very tough pitcher to face. But when he's off, he's pretty off. So it is going to be interesting to see how he handles that the rest of the way and how the Mariners handle him. And he was striking tons of guys out through the first couple starts, and then he did not have enough strikeouts in his last start compared to his first couple... So his strikeout rate isn't the highest on the team, and his walk rate is very high, almost 17%, so he needs to not be walking people, and just trying to figure that out, and it'll be interesting to see how the Mariners handle him with those possible command issues. And now on the bullpen, the bullpen's been pretty solid, it hasn't been quite as good as last year, I don't think, but... I think that is to be expected. The only problem is that they might be overusing a couple guys so far. Diego Castillo has pitched in 10 games. Paul Seawald missed some games due to COVID, but he's been used a lot. Anthony Munoz has been in 7. Swanson's pitched in 8. The only thing I'm not sure I'm a fan of is Matt Festa pitching in 9 games. I know he's struck out 40% of the guys he's faced. Looked pretty good with some underlying numbers, but he seems to give up a lot of runs every time he's in. I know ERA doesn't mean a whole lot for a reliever, but he has a 4.5 ERA, and I just don't know if I'm a huge fan of him pitching so much. I guess he's an okay middle reliever guy, but I just would have liked to see other guys used ahead of him. And hopefully Sergio Romo comes back soon because he looked good in his two outings, and I hope that he can return to form when he gets healthy. Hopefully soon, hopefully Ken Giles gets healthy and can be a good force in the bullpen for the Mariners. I hope Paul Sewald can be good for the Mariners again. Andres Munoz has been really good. He's just nasty. He's throwing 100, 101, 102 sometimes. He has a good slider. He's striking out 51.9% of the batters he faces, and he's only walked 11%, which is good, and I think he's been one of the better Mariners relievers. He's just nasty. And Eric Swanson's been good so far this year too. And he hasn't given up a run yet, knock on wood. But he's been quite good. And I like seeing him pitch in games because I think he's a quality arm for the Mariners, what they need. I hope Paul Seawald gets going again. And I'm impressed with Diego Castillo. He's not striking out a ton of guys so far this year, only 23%. But I think he will be just fine. And I think he is one of the best relievers in the bullpen for the Mariners right now. So that kind of wraps up my player-by-player evaluations and most of this episode. I don't think the Mariners are in any trouble because they struggled on the road. They've played some good teams on the road. When they've been at home, they've played Houston, who's 500, Texas, 8-14, and Kansas City, 7-13. and but then on the road, they've played Minnesota, who is leading the AL Central right now at 13-9. and 9. Chicago is only 8-13, and 13, but they played both of those two teams in really tough weather conditions, and it was the first two series of the year. And then on this road trip so far, they've played Tampa Bay and Miami, who are both over 500 right now, and they're both looking like pretty good teams right now. The Marlins can pitch really well. We know that the Rays have tons and tons of different bullpen guys that they can use to get different angles, different looks at the hitters. So I'm not really worried about this at all. If they can be a 500 team on the road and be a plus 500 team at home, then I think the Mariners will be just fine and we don't really have to worry about them at all. I think that they're doing well for themselves so far this year. They're in second place behind the Angels right now and the Angels never really seem to Keep it going through a full season. I know Mike Trout is back on top of the world like he should be. Mike Trout's the best player on the planet. But let's see how the Angels pitching staff and bullpen does all year. And let's see what the Mariners can do. I know that the Mariners have a lot of young talent that will hopefully get going. If you think about the Mariners are relying on so far this year. Their best players have been Ty France, JP Crawford, Logan Gilbert. Now Logan Gilbert is hopefully legit because he's kind of breaking out in his second season and has been really good. Ty France is also breaking out. JP Crawford has been breaking out so far. They're not just relying on Mitch Haniger, Jesse Winker, Jared Kelnick, Julio Rodriguez. All raking to start the year. Robbie Ray being super good, Matt Brash dominating everybody he faces. If Jared Kalanick and Julio Rodriguez can get things turned around and be quality big league hitters, and Jesse Winker gets hot, Mitch Hanniger gets healthy, gets hot, Abraham Toro hits better than he has, Robbie Ray starts dominating teams, Matt Brash finds better confidence and command and control, and Chris Flexton and Marco Gonzalez continue to be consistent, then this team could be really, really good. And we've seen, especially on the homestand, I was very confident in the Mariners' ability to score four runs a game or more. And when they do that, they are a tough team to beat because they pitch well. They usually play good defense. I know JP's actually struggled a little bit playing shortstop this year, made some key errors that have cost the Mariners. But I think that they are overall a very good team and have a lot of potential this year. And I'm very excited to see where that goes. Thank you to everybody for listening today. Thank you for listening through this, and I hope to talk Mariners again more next week.